God, that the time is now and the time is late, Father God. So, Lord, I just ask that you would draw your people, open their eyes, open their hearts so that they can understand, anoint their ears, God, so that they can hear with the spiritual side of their ear, oh God, so that they can understand and do what it is that needs to be done so that when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rises before us, we will be ready and we will be caught up in the air. We give you all the praise and the glory, oh God, in Jesus' magnificent name. I take authority right now over all the money contenders in this region, in this location, and I send them a flight in Jesus' name. I cover the airways with the blood of Jesus. And I say, bless your name, O God. Have your way in this study this evening. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So people of God, guess what? We are going to be having our prayer summit in September it's going to be September 28th, 29th, 30th, and October 1st. And you don't want to miss it. Please save the dates. Save the dates, September 28th, 29th, and 30th. I tell you, we couldn't have the prayer clinic last year because of the shutdown and the lockdown. But we're going to be right back at it again. And I promise you, you're going to be blessed if you come. If you can't come all four nights, you can come at least two or three nights, or at least one night. But you don't want to miss it. We have an awesome crew. We have a man of God who is one of the most prominent biblical archaeologists. That's going to be one of our speakers. You're going to hear stuff that you haven't heard before when he opens his mouth. But anyway, all the speakers are going to be great. And I know the prophetess is going to be prophesying the night that she preached. And who knows, God may have a special word for you, so you don't want to miss it. So I'm looking forward to seeing you September 28th, 29th, 30th, and October 1st. Amen. So let's get into our message tonight. I'm going to talk about a, a subject that you're not going to hear in your churches because they're scared to preach about it. But I'm going to talk to you tonight about the wrath of God. And it's coming, I'm coming to you from Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from the book, uh, I mean from the New King James Version. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. And then we're going to get into this message because uh, I, I really believe that this is necessary for us to, to know. You know, God created us in his image and his likeness. And I don't know about you, but all of us have two sides to us. Most people only want to talk about the love of God, but I like to talk about a balanced God. We serve a balanced God. And so let's read. Uh, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness to men who suppresses the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, the invisible, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to make, I may read some more later on. But the first portion of the ch this chapter, chapter 1, has been devoted to an explanation of the gospel and the reason for his sending this letter, this, I'm talking about Paul here. 
Paul wanted the Romans to understand what the gospel message was all about. He also wanted them to know why such a message was even necessary. Today, I personally want you to know about this God that the church is afraid to inform you about. God hates sin. God doesn't hate you, but he hates sin. He hates sin so much that he made a way to redeem you to himself. Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter, amen, to write about the wrath of God. Uh, uh, it is the wrath, it's, it's God's wrath against sin, not against you. God doesn't have a problem with you. He hates the sin that we commit. And I'm, I'm, I tell you what, I can prove that to you. In, in the book of Genesis, I'm not going to go there, but you know the story. Even though Eve and Adam prefer to listen to the creature instead of the creator, God still did not put them out of the garden naked. He killed an animal. He shed blood. And that was the first form of letting us know how much God loves us in spite of their sin. He hated the fact that they sinned. He hated the fact that they didn't listen to him. But he didn't. He could have put them out of, he could have chased them out of the garden naked. But no, he killed an animal. And the Bible said he put on tunics on them. He put leather pants on them, amen? And maybe leather shirts too, you know, Bible didn't say they put on tops, but they got, they didn't go out naked. So I'm saying that God hates the sin, but he doesn't hate the sinner. So, uh, um, so I'm saying, uh, uh, it's, it is God's wrath against sin, not against you, that forms the hub around which this last half of chapter one revolves. Now I know that preaching God's uh, God, preaching about anger, watch this, against sin is not a popular thing. No, it's not. In our day, what? Because why? Somebody must tell you the truth. Somebody must tell you that this God that we are talking about, He has two sides. Just like you have two sides of you, God has two sides of Him. He has a side of that love because He's love. But he also have a side that nobody wants to tell you about. So I'm here to tell you somebody has to do the job and I choose to do the job. Amen. Man has tried his best to reduce God to some dim-wit, doting old grandfather type of figure who merely winks at the flaws in mankind and, pos and possesses no other emotion but love. And that's not true. That is not true. Oh no, he, he, he loves you. He loves you, but he must deal with your sin. And that's what people are, I mean, when you go to these churches, all they talk about the love of God and the love of God and the love of God, and that's a good thing. But if I don't tell you, in other words, if you, if you have a child and, and he goes and he starts tearing up the kitchen and throwing milk all over the table. I don't care how much you love that child, you're gonna have to spank him. You're gonna have to chastise that child. And that's the side of God that I'm trying to tell you about tonight. And so I hope that you're gonna stick with me. Don't turn off, you know, don't discard this, this, this um, message this evening because I think it's necessary. And maybe you will be able to share it with someone that, that all they've been hearing about is the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. 
And nobody's telling them that there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. Nobody's telling them that the wrath of God is waiting on those that have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And before we get into the end of this message, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. So, that's not... The, 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 as I said, God is not just love. I want to tell you about this God that is going to chastise you if, if he loves you, if you are his child. But again, today, what I'm saying is this. I'm trying to inform you about God and his nature. Amen. In reality, God is love. However, he has one aspect of his love in his wrath and hatred of sin. I got to say that again. However, his one aspect of love is his wrath and hatred of sin. Because God is perfect, is, is a perfect being. God is perfect in his love. But he is also perfect in his holiness and judgment. Yes, God is love. But may I also remind you that God is, God is hate as well. And they don't want to tell you this in the churches. Nobody wants to tell you the truth, but you must know the truth. Some people see certain verses and chapters in the Bible and they skip over it. No. You see, even some of the people in the high offices, I remember when one person was running for office and they talked about the obscure passage of scripture in Romans chapter 1 and only because I knew my Bible I knew exactly what that person was talking about but they were talking about it because they were looking for votes but we cannot get to that place where we begin to use the word of God and 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 and, and push it aside and trample his word just to be uh, 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 elected and God is saying I'm not pleased with that and it's the same way for you and I we may not be trying to be elected but we know that the word of God says that a man shall not lie with a man and a woman shall not lie with a woman and guess what we need to stand on the word of God and we can tell people this in love we can you know if you see somebody living in that kind of sin you don't want to see nobody burn in hell you don't want to see nobody burn in the lake of fire you got to tell people about the wrath of God. You see, when we get down into this message, I'm going to tell you how you can evade the wrath of God. So, he is love towards a sinner, but he is hate towards sin. Many people are bothered by the thought of a God who reacts in wrath and judgment. I personally would be bothered by a God who didn't. I would not want to deal with a God who didn't deal with sin. Because that means I'm going to end up in the lake of fire. So, Paul' purpose here and through chapter 3, verse 20, is to describe for us the charges against men. Paul is going to tell us why we need to believe the gospel of grace. This first argument, he, the first argument he uses to call men to the Lord, it is to lay out the case of the prosecution. Paul is going to reveal that problems God sees with men. However, before we can understand why God is angry, we need to know a little bit more about the anger of God. So, in this verse we find a definition and a description of the wrath of God. Understanding understanding 
uh, uh, this will help us to understand what is to follow. Let's take a few minutes to, tonight to look at this verse and try to grasp this idea of the wrath of God. Amen? The fact of the wrath of God. This answers the question of what is the wrath of God? The chapter of wrath, the character of wrath, I mean, in the, the character of wrath. In the New Testament, there are two words used to refer to the wrath of God. One is the word thumos. This word is the word from which we get our word thermos or thermocular. thermocular. It, it refers to a sudden explosion of anger. This is the word used in Luke 4 and 28. And I need to go there so you can see what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 4 and verse 28. Let's look at that very quickly. It says, I want to read from the Bible. Luke chapter 4 and verse 28. What it says. It says, So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. What, what am I talking about? Jesus was telling them. Jesus was talking about... Um, um, I really need to, to, to read this for you so you can understand what I'm talking about. But I tell you truly, this is Jesus talking. Many widows were in Israel, that's verse 25, in the days of Elisha, when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But, of, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath, to the to the uh, region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them was claimed except Naaman the Syrian what happened was they were in some discussion with Jesus and Jesus was trying to let them know y'all think you're righteous y'all think you got it right but no when they heard all the things that Jesus was saying to them they burst out in wrath and they were angry because they didn't want to hear that they, they you see when when they were because they, they think they were so righteous they um they, they they didn't understand why would jesus come come down on them like that and so so they just they were you know they 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 they, they were angry with him for saying these things but again it is also it's, it is also not most common word for wrath in the book of Revelation. Look at this. The word used here is different. It is a word, O-R-G-E. It literally means to become red in the face. It pictures someone who is holding his anger in while it builds up inside of him. It implies that there will come a time when the anger will come forth. Listen to me, people of God. But God is long suffering. To get an idea of what I'm saying, try to imagine a new dam that has been constructed behind constructed behind that dam. The waters are being backed up until there is great pressure behind that dam. Then one day, the dam bursts and all the fury of those pent up waters flow forth and destroy everything in its path. What am I saying? That is a pretty good description of God's wrath. Consider when this has been displayed in a record of scripture. I know you're going to remember this. At the flood, 
Genesis 6 and 8. God's wrath was built up, okay, and was restrained until the day when it burst forth in fury. In other words, what am I, I'm reminding you of how um, uh, um, Noah preached to the people for 120 years. And God was long-suffering. And yet and still, they still would not believe him. And so God said, okay, when he shut the door, and his fury was burst out, and that the heavens opened and just poured down. That's the wrath. Okay, it just came forth like that. Again, <clears throat> excuse me, in Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19, the wrath of God slowly built against those people until it burst forth in divine judgment. So what I'm trying to point out to you, don't allow anyone to fool you and let you know that God is only love. No, 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 no. There's another side of God that you need to know about. The wrath of God. At the Red Sea in Exodus 14, Pharaoh and his people had been dealt with by God through the plagues and God had restrained his anger for all those years. Now the dam burst and the entire Egyptian army is drowned in the sea. So you see the wrath of God is pending for those who reject Jesus Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ because Jesus went to the cross for you. The good news for those in Jesus is that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, God directed all his built-up anger against sin, past, present, and future, and poured out that anger into the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those of us who are saved by grace have found a place of shelter from the awesome wrath of God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Let's go back to Romans. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Look what it says. It says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. We are saved from the wrath because Jesus took the wrath of God for your sin and my sin. Glory be to God. Oh my God. If we only understand how important it is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you would never reject him. You would never reject the plan of salvation for your life. If you, if you just receive him, and I pray that tonight somebody will receive Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, um, so when I say that, I'm trying to explain to people that if we understand, if we understand the purpose why Jesus came and died for us, we would, we would be grateful to him. Does God react in sudden outbursts? Look at some in Israel who rebelled and were instantly afflicted by a plague. Numbers 11 verse 16, and we know what happened then. With Dathan and when Abiram, when Moses said, unless something um, happened suddenly, and, and um, let me look at that. I want to read that for you because you may, sometimes you, you see these scriptures, but sometimes you don't really get the, the essence of them unless there's a, a word preached around it so that it can make a little more sense to you. And look at this. It says, uh, Numbers chapter 11 and verse 16. Look what the Bible says. 
So the, the Lord said to Moses, Gather me, gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of the meeting that they may stand there before. Then I will come down. And so you see, uh, sixteen is sixteen through. So then he said, I want to read. I want to. I don't want to stay here too long, but I want to read specifically. And the Lord said to Moses, um, I want to read this because I want you to see how the wrath of God. We're talking about uh, Abiram, Abiram, and and the other one when they um, they spoke against Moses and God allowed the uh, the earth to open up and swallow them. Amen. And sometimes, like I said, we read these scriptures, but sometimes we don't get the fullness of them. So, um, oh, look, it says, <clears throat> now, when, now when the people complain, it displeased the Lord, and for the Lord heard it, and his anger arose. That's verse 11 and 1. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and and consumed some in the outskirts in the camp. Then, but what I was trying to point out to you also is when you begin to understand about the wrath of God and how, yeah, God has, God do, do, uh, he do work uh, 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 in a place where he suffers long and he goes along with you and he, he tolerates us. He, he's just long-suffering. He goes along and he goes along and he goes along. And then all of a sudden, there's that outburst of wrath. Okay? I'm going to show you something else that you need to look at. Um, verse 12. Numbers 12. Miriam spoke against Moses. Okay? Because of the Ethiopian woman. And, look at this. And when the cloud departed from, verse 10, when the cloud departed from the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. That was the wrath of God. That was the outburst of the wrath of God. It was a leash on her because she should have never done that. So yes, God does that. And it's all across in this Bible. We just got to read it. So there are occasions when God's wrath is unleashed on them instantly, but thankfully... God typically deals with sinners by holding back his wrath in an effort to bring about repentance in their lives. So tonight, I want to encourage you because I want you to know that the wrath of God is not a bad thing. It's just a, a, something that helps you to, 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 to understand that there's a judgment day, people of God. But you can bypass the judgment by giving your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, the caliber of this wrath. Notice that it is the wrath of God when you and I get angry and display out our wrath at best. It's tainted by sin. We respond after the flesh and usually our outbursts are selfish and foolish. On the other hand, God's wrath is always balanced, fair, and perfectly just. His wrath is always balanced, fair, and perfectly just. You can be sure that when the wrath of God is God falls on a life, <laughs> it was deserved and it was executed in perfect divine justice. God does not make mistakes. He does not get angry with you for naught. He deals with you 
in a way that needs to be dealt with, but he's very, he's very um, patient with us. Very patient. Have another. We need to understand that there is no possible way for the Lord to react against sin, but in judgment, He is appalled by sin and will react against sin. God hates sin. God hates sin. God does not hate you. He hates sin. And his wrath is there. The Bible says in one scripture, I didn't put that down, but it says he's angry with the wicked every day. But he's also long-suffering because Jesus paid the price for the wrath of God. Amen? So, um, I, let me look at this one scripture here. Let's see. says um, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 talks about who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down talking about Jesus because of Jesus because of Jesus people of God we can escape the wrath of God we can avoid the wrath of God. We can nullify the wrath of God if we, um, if we um, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. So then I'm going to talk about the conspiracy of the wrath. The Bible says here that the wrath of God is revealed. Okay, let me go back to Romans chapter uh, 1 verse 18. I'm to read that again of what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. So the, the wrath of God is revealed. This is the wrath of God. This is, <clears throat> excuse me, that is the wrath of God is constantly in view. In other words, if we understand and if we look and pay attention, we can see that look, it's like for instance, let me back up for a second. Do you think that God is not in control of all this stuff that's going on right now? Oh yes, he is. He is in full control of this. You know, people are going on trips and people are taking vacation and people are doing this and people are doing that. And we have the manipulation devils that's coming against us and the totalitarian devils that's coming up against us and the spirit of deception. And, you know, I mean, all of this, do you think God is just, no, he's just holding his peace. He's holding his peace. But let me tell you, one day, oh my God, Oh, people of God, all of those that are in offices, all those that, are, that work in the, cap, the state capital, all the congressmen and women that are devising wickedness, all the senators that are devising wickedness, all the governors that are devising wickedness, all the judges that are devising wickedness, I promise you, don't feel bad. I know you might be going through some terrible situation right now. Understand this. <laughs> Especially if you're a child of God, because you're probably saying, why am I going through this? I'm saved. God is giving them some rope so that they can come and repent. But let me tell you, if they don't repent, I guarantee you that God is going to deal with them in a way that they will be so, they will be done. They will be done. 
but just be patient and watch because remember God is long suffering I told you earlier in the, in a, as I spoke God wants them to come and repent he wants them to repent but until they repent they're, 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 they're subject to the wrath of God so when we understand that it's not something that you can just wink your eyes at. This is something that is happening. I mean, we, we're, it's like we're going through a movie right now. It's like we're, we're watching a movie played out before our very eyes. We are watching the Bible played out before our very eyes right now. Every day something is happening. Every day something wrong is happening. I was talking to someone today and you know um, you know we have all the liberal Democrats and they say this and they say that and you know and this was the first time somebody was even willing to even discuss with me if I you know what I thought about what was going on in our government and you know and it was kind of interesting because uh, this person still she still understood and I had to I had to remind her that God was still on the throne. He sees, the Bible says, his eyes run throughout the world. He sees everything. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do 10 years from now. He's omniscient. He knows all things. But again, you can escape the wrath of God if you choose to. It's a choice that we have to make. It is, if this is true, then why do we see the wicked prospering? <laughs> if all what I just said is true, why? Shouldn't their lives be filled with pain and suffering? It should seem to so from a human perspective. However, when we look in, into the word of God, it becomes clear that God is long-suffering. Long-suffering, waiting for them to repent. Long-suffering gives the wicked many chances to repent. He wants them to come to know him. This is the problem Asaph struggled with in, would you go with me to Psalm 73, verse 3 through 9. Psalm 73, verse 3 through 9. Psalm 73, verse 3 through 9. Look what the Bible says. Look what he was saying. It's funny, very funny. Psalm 73 says, um, verse 3 says, For there, there are no pangs in their debt, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more more than their heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak uh, loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. I'm going to stop there. This whole, read the whole of Psalm 73, you're going to see. Asaph was really, he was stressed out behind this. So you're saying, the Bible is telling us that these things are going to happen. It's not that God doesn't want to punish them right now. He wants them to come to repentance. He wants them to come to know him. But again, when you see the wicked 
prospering. When you see them, you know, nothing, it's, it's like nothing goes wrong with them. You gotta look at it from a different perspective and understand that we're serving, we serve a great and a loving God, a God that is long-suffering, a God that gives good gifts and adds no sorrow. But we also know that, look at verse in the same Psalm 17 through 19, look what it says. 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understand their end. Surely you, you set them in a slippery places, you cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terror. So, you see, what I'm saying here is this. When he went down, he says, he says, when he went down into the sanctuary, and God began to show him, and God began to show him, he says, God is saying, look, don't worry. Don't worry about what I'm doing. I want them to come to me. I want them to repent. But if they don't repent, then I'm going to deal with them. And so we see here, that when, when he considered that they were going to experience the undiluted wrath of God, he in hell forever, he began to understand that God doesn't always pay off on Friday. <laughs> God is long-suffering. The course of this wrath, we are reminded that the wrath of God originates in heaven. Mankind may think that he has obtained some measure of control and dominion in this world. However, men would do well to remember that God is still in, the, in control and that he will have the last word in this matter. People of God, I really would like to stop here and I'll pick this up next week. I have so much more to say, but I don't want to give you too much. I'm just about finished. Let's see. Oh, okay, I can finish. This is good. Um, oh, I, I thought I had a lot more. I'm good. So, what am I saying here? So wrath will come against all sin at all times. Whether it is the cause and effect, wrath of reaping and sowing, as it says in Galatians 6 and 9, or the full-blown wrath of God revealed in his personal fury against sin. The wrath of God is always, it always originates in heaven. People need to remember there, that there is a higher order, there is a higher standard, and that man that of man, God will always have the final word. I want to remind you, God will always have the final word. So do not allow, when you see people prospering, when you see people having things that are working out, do not forget that God will deal with them. Please, we need to remember that, again that there is a higher standard than that for men, God will always have the final word. But if you choose to protect yourself against this wrath of God, then give your life to Jesus. You can escape the wrath. You can remove yourself from the wrath. He has paid the price at Calvary. The wrath of God was poured out on him, but only because he was a perfect lamb he was perfect. So if you choose to escape the wrath of God, I promise you, give your life to Jesus. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. No. 
It is not promised to anyone. Give your life to Jesus. Be covered by the blood that was shed at Calvary. Oh, people of God, please hear me tonight. You're welcome to call me at 323-293-7566. Or you can just ask God, tell him that you're, you know you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus is his son. You believe you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you're going to serve Jesus as long as you have breath in your body. And begin to read your Bible and call somebody and tell them. I love you. I praise God for you. I want to say thank you for listening to this message. I hope that you heard something that inspired you to escape the wrath of God if you're not safe. Goodbye for now.